God. <laughs> Amen. We're going to pray for Jasmine and uh, allow God to heal her. She's had a fever for some days now uh, that uh, is is trying to be stubborn, but we know it's got to move. Uh, because God's power is greater than any infirmity. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over uh, this fever in Jasmine. We curse you at the root. We rebuke you, and we tell you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that this fever will leave right now in Jesus' name. Thank you that Jasmine is healed. She has a covenant of healing with you, Lord, and we thank you for that covenant in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen again. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that we are created for enjoyment. We are created. Amen. We are created for enjoyment. Amen. So um, God was in a good mood when we were created. Amen. Um, God is never in a bad mood. Amen. Uh, even when he's angry, the Bible says his anger only lasts for a moment. Unlike human beings, uh, human beings can stay angry for a long time. They can hold on to it. It's a spirit. And we have the authority to let it go or hold on to it. Uh, those of us who insist on holding on to anger are in violation of God's word. He tells us to be angry and sin not, you know, anger will come upon us from time to time, but we don't have to embrace it or nurse it or obey what it says. It is a spirit. It's not just an emotion, but it is also a spirit. And so we know that when anger advances, it can lead even to murder. And so we, we have to understand that, uh, we can, can experience different things. They, they, they will, uh, as Brother Hagen used to say, you can't, uh, keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent it from making a nest in your hair. Amen. And so these things linger on us because we allow them to, or we embrace them and we feel justified by allowing them to linger in our lives. In fact, society even gives us permission to, uh, let, to nurse anger or to uh, keep ourselves in a place where we don't forgive and let go of things and allow God's healing to come in, uh, won't come in until we obey his word. Uh, so until we obey and forgive, that anger will be there, the frustration. All, every single devil that that angry devil is holding in will remain in us. And so that's why God tells us to love and to, in fact, uh, forgiveness is a command of God. It's, there's, it's not negotiable. You know, you can't like, uh, <laughs> um, uh, what do they do? Plead it down. You know how perpetrators, when they can be, uh, facing 30 years to life, and they'll go in and say they're guilty and plead it down so that, you know, okay, you're saving us some money because we'll have to take you to trial. That's basically what that's for. And so we can wipe this case off the docket and we'll let you spend a flat amount of time and not have to chance going before a jury. And so when, when, but God isn't like that. You can't plead down anything in his kingdom. You got to obey. Why is that? Because we have the ability to obey. You have everything that you need to forgive anybody of anything 
because of what Jesus has paid for for us. See, the price of forgiveness has been paid. Only thing it costs you is maybe a little pride, a little you got to let go. You know, it's not about being the bigger person. It's about being an obedient person. You know, big or small, it doesn't matter as long as you obey. And so when when God created us, though, there was nothing evil intent in what he was doing. Creation was happy. Creation was blessed. Creation was joyful on the day that man was created. And we need to understand that. When you understand the atmosphere in which you're created or in which you're conceived, uh, it it can have an effect on you for a long time. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, sometimes children, if they're conceived out of wedlock or if they're conceived in, in a, a marriage that breaks down later, you can't find a kid who doesn't think in the back of his mind somewhere that there's something wrong with them, that the parents couldn't get along or there's something wrong with them. Where's my daddy? Whereas you understand what I'm saying. So the atmosphere in which you're conceived has an impact on your later life. Now, God can come in and help that, but you got to let him help those situations. You got to get into your redemption. You got to understand who you were created to be from the beginning. And you've got to get in that life. You've got to get a new life in order to erase the old. And so we, we as, as believers need to understand that in the beginning it was not that way. There were no negative anything kind of drawbacks in our creation. So we have roots that are deeper than our natural birth roots. See, the roots that you were created in by God go deeper than your natural birth roots. And see, we give our birth roots so much power in our lives. We give our birth roots so much credit to either help us or not help us. And so we have to understand that our our goodness that's planted in us is much deeper than the sin, rebellion, and all of the other negative forces that have come into our lives since then. See, what was there from the beginning can never be erased. What came forth since then can be. So anything that came back to you in your natural circumstances of your birth can be erased by the new birth. But anything that, that comes after that, you can't erase your original root that God created us in. And so when God redeems us or he saves us or however one want to phrase that, he is bringing into our lives the original goodness that was placed in there from the day of creation. We all carry some of that in us. I don't care who it is. There's some uh, 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 people, there's, there's some things that you ever see sometimes people can do kind of extraordinary things, unusual things. Um, let me give you an example. You probably are Siegfried and Roy. Remember Siegfried and Roy with the animal. Now they had this uncanny love and ability to tame tigers and wild animals. They were so popular and good at it that they lived a lifetime of having uh, animals that are usually wild 
and they were able to train them and get them to obey. Or Dr. Doolittle being able to talk to the animals. All those things. Uh, where do you think the idea to even make a movie like that or to live a life like that came from? It came from God's original design for us. See, there's something in everybody's soul that has not been erased that is from the original creation. Your gifts were there originally. When God created us, we had original gifts in us. Now, they're twisted and perverted. Like some people have a skill to be able to create things. Well, you can either uh, develop technology for a car or you can build Frankenstein. As a natural person. So it's kind of either or which way your gift is going to be used. But God has put something in you that is valuable both to you and to the earth. The Bible says your gift will make room for you and put you before great people. It doesn't say that's for certain people and not for you. That's for everybody. If you will seek God as to what your gift is and allow that to make room for you. It will, there's no, in other words, what that scripture says, there's no limit to where that gift will take you if you allow God to show you his original intent when you were, when you were created. Some people have very unique gifts and they, they must be turned over to God or they will wreck their lives. You know, some, you ever see people that, are a hot mess for like the first 40 or 50 years of their lives and all of a sudden later on just mellow out and get. Now that's pretty much everybody's story if you think about it. But there are some people's gifts that will drive them to the point where they wreck their own lives and everybody around them. Look at musicians. They're a prime example of how that gift, when it's it's given over just to human flesh, and the human flesh desires can wreak a lot of havoc in a person's life. Some people may may receive from that gift and enjoy their music, et cetera, et cetera. But it takes a big toll, the behind-the-scenes toll. Look at Whitney Houston. See, Behind-the-scenes toll is phenomenal, even though she had a gift. that There's nobody who disputes she probably had to go. And Aretha Franklin, neck and neck, the greatest voices of this century but but still their their lives were wrecked because the gift accelerated now there are some people who are close seconds and thirds and fourths and somehow they're still around look at Gladys Knight now you would have to put her in there because of the range of her gift her singing ability I mean she can sing anything and rehearse for two seconds and she's got it um, who is the other one? The one who's a Christian now. Yeah, Patty LaBelle's in the, but the Christian lady now. No, no, uh, the Christian. Yeah, Helen Baylor. She is another one. At, at a, a very tender age, like nine and ten years old, she was singing and competing against adults and winning with people who are much older, much more practiced, much more developed, all of those things. Her gift almost wrecked her, but she came to the Lord now. Her gift's redeemed, and now it's on the pace that God wants it to be on. 
See, your gift is, is to make life better for humanity because nobody has it all. And so we have to borrow from one another. Like I have to borrow, uh, Chanel's abilities. I have to borrow from her and she has to borrow from me in order to make our lives more enjoyable, well-rounded. That's what gifts are for. They're to minister enjoyment to the rest of humanity that doesn't have the gift. And so uh, I was, uh, I forget, I think it was Bianca I was talking to was a lot of years ago. And she used to like to draw and create things, probably still does. You know, you get in school, you have to let some of that go so you can learn the, whatever they teach them nowadays. But she was saying, I, I just like to do that. I said, listen, I said, your gift makes things beautiful because there are people who love beauty, but they're not able to create it. I said, that's why you're here, so that what you do can make life enjoyable for people like myself who can't create things like that. You understand what I'm saying? And it's so simple that God has, he's made us dependent upon one another just for basic enjoyment of life. There are certain people you seek out and you like talking to them. Why? Because they bring a certain level of enjoyment to you. I mean, that should be why. You know what I'm saying? That's just a normal thing. You gravitate to people, not because they are like you. That's not true all the time. Some people are very unique and not like, really not like anybody else. But there you say there's something about them. That something must bring you some kind of pleasant feeling or some kind of joy or something like that. And there are people you don't want to be around. You're like, oh, let me go the other way. You know, that kind of stuff. Forgive, amen, and love. That's what we do. And so, but we can appreciate everybody whether we really enjoy them or not. You can appreciate people whether they're your cup of tea or not. Amen. As Rachel would say, I'm brewing some tea. Right? (laughs) So in Genesis chapter 1, was that right, Rach? I guess not. Oh, it was. Oh, she gave me, she gave me a very dry nod. So I think that means I didn't mess it up this time. Genesis chapter one. God said, let us make man in our image. Now God loves himself. Amen. He loves himself and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle. So God gave man the whole earth to enjoy. When he told man you have dominion over the whole earth, that did not, man did not say, oh bummer, I got work to do. That brought him joy. Why? Because he, if somebody creates a whole world for you, what would that make you feel like? Huh? And so God had created the whole world, the whole earth for man to enjoy. God called us good when he created us. So God created, verse 27, man in his image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So we are both male and female created in God's image. There's no inferior. There's no uh, superior. As far as the image of God is concerned, our original creation. Now, our roles have to be defined by God. And so God made 
the man and woman both in partnership to have dominion. So it implies that you need a partner in life of the opposite sex. I know this isn't news to people. I'm talking about original intent. I'm not talking about how you live. (laughs) You know, when you go to Bible, you know, you might change the way you think sometimes you read your Bible. Just thinking. But he created them both to have dominion over the earth, over and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so when he gave them dominion, he did it by blessing them. It says here in verse 28, and God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air and every living thing. Now, the first mention of that was in God's mind. Verse 26, I think it is when he said, let us. There's a creative let of God's word. Once God thinks it and says to himself, let us do it, it's a done deal. When he created man, he had to speak that into him or man would not know what to do. So God speaks the same intent that he has in his creation into the man after he's created. So here you have a man that's set into the earth with a certain level of authority and power and responsibility to take care of the earth. Now, see, those words sounded good to Adam and Eve when God created them because there was nothing negative about their existence on the earth yet. To us, it doesn't sound so hot. It's like, well, what's that about? You know, I mean, it's more work. I got enough to do as it. Well, they didn't live like that because they lived in an atmosphere of blessedness. See, a blessed atmosphere will cause the way you look at your normal routine duties to be totally different than than your current way that you look at them. If your atmosphere is blessed and you understand what what it means to be blessed, it has a whole different way of looking. Your outlook and everything is different. So <clears throat> God created us. When he made us, he enjoyed us. He called us good at our creation. We are created for joy and happiness. We are created for blessedness and goodness. That's where God created man. He created us to live a blessed life just like he was able to live a blessed life. When God said he's making man in his image, that means just like him with the same abilities, the same desires, the same wants, the same responsibilities, everything was exactly the same way. And so God then announces to man how blessed he is and what his responsibilities are and what his desires should be. The way he's supposed to conduct himself, he explains all of that to him right in the first uh, level of his creation. So we are created in joy and in happiness and in goodness. In Job chapter 38, if you'll turn there very quickly. 
Or maybe I'll just go where God says to go and stay for as long as he says. <laughs> Amen. And what did I say, Job 38? Amen. In verse 4, God says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who laid the measures thereof, if you know it, and who stretched the lines upon it? Whereupon are the foundations fastened, and who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy. So all of creation enjoys what God does. All, nobody's scared of God but man. And especially sinful man. And so when God created the earth, everything he touches is for enjoyment. Everything he creates is to bring us joy. Everything he puts into your life is for your enjoyment. What's the problem? I think the problem is whether we receive it as a blessing or not, or whether we receive the blessing of God. See, receiving the blessing means to accept what he brings into your life in goodness, in a good heart, with a good spirit about it. Not is is to look at it as to what it looks like in the natural, but to understand that this is a blessedness that he has brought into your life. If you can receive the blessing and not just the thing, It'll be good the way God wanted it to be. But many times, what do we do? We're taught to ask for things. Or, you, you know, put your faith, put your faith out there, confess for what you want, put the list on the refrigerator, put the picture up there, and we never accept the fact that the blessing factor must be involved in that or there's no joy. There's no goodness. There's no happiness. If it doesn't come soon enough, we're mad at God, the, the church, and everybody else. If there's a problem in life, we're ready to give up the ghosts. Why? We never receive the blessedness of God. He blessed them and said, when God blesses you, he blesses you with his word. And he says something good to you from his word. He's not telling you you're no good. You can't have it. Or as this is for some people, it's not for you. He never tells you that in his word. He tells you that whatever he brings to you, it's good. When I tell you that I'm going to set you in a place in the earth where people will, you will serve people, et cetera, et cetera. It's good because it came from the source of it is what makes it good. If we will learn to receive the blessing, we make the mistake. I can tell you a lot of teaching that we receive makes them the same mistake that, that Jacob and Esau made or almost made. Esau had was a firstborn. He had the birthright. He, he had the rights to claim the double portion inheritance. And really, it was more than a double portion. He would have been the, the overseer of his father's whole estate. But because he didn't see it as a blessing, 
And he saw it as something cheap. Why? Because he didn't have to work for it because it came freely from his father. He decided one day when he was hungry to sell it to his brother for a bowl of food. And so you see somebody who doesn't understand the blessedness of something and he's just looking at it as a thing and he decides to, oh, it's not worth much. I'm just going to sell it. My daddy get old one day. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when he come, come to it. But then down later down the road in life, Jacob is the one that has the birthright now. But he can't do anything with it because he doesn't have the blessing. See, your birthright will destroy you if you're not blessed. Look at all the wealthy people. Look at the, the, uh, who are them people? The Jeff Bezos. Richest man in the world. You know, he owns Amazon and some newspapers and stuff. Now he's in trouble. He's not a blessed man. Got all the money in the world. He's not a blessed man. Uh, who's the other one? Gates. They're not blessed people. Uh, the, the, who was the Apple guy? Yeah, he, the one that died, right? He said the most expensive bed in the world is the bed of sickness, is the sick bed. He said he's been on every bed in his life and that's the most expensive one he's ever been in was a sick bed. And so these people have all the world's goods but they're not blessed people. It's good to have the blessing and the birthright, but I'll take the blessing any day. You know what I'm saying? Because, because you have them both when you have God. I'm not saying you get one without the other, but, but Jacob couldn't do anything with the birthright if he didn't have the blessing. The blessing was the father's sanction and backing up what it is that he's giving you. You know, parents can say a lot of things and promise a lot of things to their children, but if they can't back it up, you have, they're not blessed. So the blessing is what backs up the birthright. The blessing is what guarantees the birthright. The blessing is the word of the father that it belongs to you and nobody else but you. So if you have the blessing, that blessing follows you everywhere you go. Birthright or no birthright, you can make your own way in life as a blessed person. Look at the the ones in the Bible, the patriarchs we know in the Bible who were dispossessed. Look at Joseph. All he did was get an upgrade. He was blessed in his father's house. But when his brother sold him as a slave, he lost his birthright. He wasn't in the home of his birth. He wasn't in the father's house anymore. So he lost that. Was he not blessed? Oh, he was more than blessed in his life. He was blessed and received a better birthright than he had in his father's house. Because he has had to was subject to his brother's approval. He was very low on the totem pole in his daddy's house. But God saw his gift and blessed him in it. And as long as God, Joseph remembered that he was blessed, he did well. And see, as long as us, for us, as long as we remember we are blessed, we will do well. You'll receive what God has for you. You'll be able to believe him for extraordinary things if you need to. So the blessing of God 
comes is in in he conferred that upon us when he said we were good good is the blessing huh goodness itself is a blessing why there's no way to stop it it's like righteousness there's no way to stop it there's no judgment against it it opens every door for you it does everything for you in life you need to do so you got to remember to stay in god's goodness you got to remember that you are a blessed person you have to remember what the blessing is <clears throat> in psalm 118 24 I'm pretty sure it says this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. God makes every day for your enjoyment. He means for you to enjoy your day. What we have to be careful to do is allow ourselves to enjoy what God has put before us. If he tells you this is your day to enjoy life then you should expect enjoyment in life. You shouldn't expect anybody trouble. Any Nobody can, can produce any trouble for you that God can't get you out of. That's why he calls you blessed. Blessing, the blessing means goodness anyhow. The blessing means healing anyhow. The blessing means that you're free anyhow. The blessing means there's a way of escape for you anyhow. That's what blessed really means. It means to be happy and joyful. It means to be able to face any challenges in life with a a spirit of overcoming, with a spirit of faith and confidence in God, knowing that God will give you a word or a way to overcome whatever it is that stands before you. That's why I say your breakthrough is within you. Not waiting on a, you know, breakthrough power is in all believers if they'll put it into motion. Isaiah 55 tells us creation is excited about us too. Huh? Isaiah 55 and verse 12. He says, you shall go out with joy. You shall not maybe if if things work out for you but god's working it out for you and you'll go out with joy and be led forth with peace the mountains and hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands he says instead of the thorn will come up the fir tree instead of the briar the myrtle tree in other words there won't be anything in your garden that won't produce goodness for you that will not be pleasant for you see believers you gotta hold on to this stuff because between what you hear on the news and what you see at your jobs and what you see here and you see there you can get there's a lot of people out here who are very angry have a very uh, pessimistic view of life. You hear, I never thought I'd hear somebody in our Congress saying the world's going to end in 12 years. Now, we used to lock people like that up. You know, you, you see them coming, you don't give them the mic. Now they're able to convince other people their age who are not well taught. If I could talk to any of my, tell them, I said, listen, they said that when I was a kid, 
they tell that to every generation that comes into the earth that the earth won't be here. I said, the only thing they've done with you, we always had God and we knew it was stupid eventually. The only thing they've done with you, if they've taken God away from you, I suggest you find him. And his name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. So if you get his truth, you'll know you're going to live. So the trees clap for us. The mountains sing for us. It's amazing how much creation cooperates with God. This is for the global warming fear people. Creation must cooperate with God. So the bottom line is you got to find out what God thinks about these things. Or you just run around here believing a lie. And a lie that's going to cause you to live. Remember the Jehovah's Witnesses? You couldn't sell them insurance policies because they thought the world was going to end at a certain time. All that kind of crazy stuff. It's still here. Their little cult has been around for over a 100 years. I know that much. And the earth is still here. So all of these lies will be found to be false. Because why? God created us to enjoy the earth goodness isaiah 60 tells us to arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord is risen upon you even when gross darkness covers the earth there's still the light of god among his people so what do we have to be concerned about our quest is to continue to let our light shine and not get in the gloom and doom of what everybody else is talking about why? Because you're a blessed person. You are, we are created for joy. God was in a state of enjoyment when he created us. And that enjoyment that he had in him was transferred onto humanity made in his image. So the trees of the field will clap their hands for us. In creating man, God evaluated him. He just, you know, looked at man and said, you're good. So he conferred the blessing of goodness on man when he was created. And so what God's quest has been when he saw that the enemy came in and robbed us of goodness, hid goodness from us. God had to allow that goodness to go into a place in us. That was still reserved for him to use when he needed to pull it out of us, even in our fallen state. That's how you got saved. I don't care how worthless you felt you were when you were in the world. Somewhere down in you, somewhere was a little teeny glimmer of hope that this wasn't the end of the story or you wouldn't have gotten saved. And that was God's original goodness that he put inside of all of us. Goodness tells you that you're worth saving. Even though you might be a drug addict, you might be a a wife beater, you might be a murderer, you might be a thief. That little kernel of goodness that he reserved on the inside of every human being. The Bible says it's the light that lights the world is what Jesus is. And he lights that little spark that's left in each and every one of us. When the devil thought he had us permanently, 
God just pushed the goodness deeper down into our souls, in our spirit, reserved for him at a time where he could wake that up and bring us to life into who we were. So God always has the last word. He's always got a trump card or a joker he can play. Amen. My daddy used to play. They play bid with. And we'd be like six and seven years old. Daddy, daddy, let me play. Let me play. Girl, you got in that chair. He whooped you like you was a grown woman. You notice I didn't say man, right? He whooped women and men, grown ones. You got up there from there crying, Daddy, you took all my cards. He said, bad news from South Bend. Papa Case is dead. I don't even know what that meant, but you knew that. (laughs) Next. huh? He whooped you up out of that chair. You didn't ask until you got good and grown. Huh? You stood around and watched and you was nervous. But then when you got a little older, thought you knew something, you eased in that chair again. <laughs> Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Pastor Shirley? Yeah. We'd ease in them chairs and bad news from South Bend, <laughs> Papa Case. I don't even know who Papa Case was. Probably some old fake preacher or something they had back in the day. But I guess when he died, it was a lot of mortars. I'm not sure, but... Honey, daddy would whip, put a whipping on you. You'd be crying for a lot for many days. But you learned. Huh? You learned. He didn't take no prisoners, but you learned. I don't care if you was a girl. You got whooped like you was a man <laughs> till you learned something. Praise God. Amen. Now, where was I? I got off on them crazy old stories. Amen. But God always has something reserved in us that he can draw from. Now remember that when you pray for your unsaved loved ones, you think they're too far gone. You see, we give, we faint so quickly. You know, that's why it's good to rehearse your own testimony in your own ears. Just get in front of the mirror and recount how lost you were. And some of us were in church and thought we knew everything. And then we <laughs> found out, oh no, I haven't even scratched the surface. You thought being regular and, and putting your money in a tap in the basket was all there was to it. And you find out God had so much more in store for us. Amen. If we would get to know him. So, so what does it mean to be fruitful? It means to bring forth, to grow or to increase in a good way, in good things. So when you look at the blessing of God, this infers that you are doing good things. And so he wants you to increase the good. He wants you to increase and multiply uh, and, and, and continue to prosper in the good things. Now, what about the curse? The curse comes to eliminate the things that we do out of the flesh that are not prosperous for us in God's eyes. So the curse really turns out to be a blessing in disguise for us because it keeps us from destroying everything that God puts in our hands. So when the curse comes, say, for instance, if you don't do what you should do with your money, the curse comes to limit your access to more money to do more wrong things with. So you can see how that it puts a ceiling on your personal destruction. 
That's why the man and the woman were locked out of the garden. The angel, the sentinel angel there at the, at the gate of the garden to keep them out. Why? If they had eaten of the tree of life and brought eternal life into the death spirit that they had, there would be no redemption for man. See, we could have all gone to hell if they had been allowed to eat of the tree of life again. And so God kept that from them for a time when he would release it to us through repentance. We have the tree of life in us now. We just have to repent to get it. You hear what I said? You have the tree of life in you now. See, back in the day when they were just in the garden and the devil was telling them do everything, they didn't have the ability to know right from wrong and repent. It took 4,000 years for God to teach them right from wrong. So now repentance is available to us so we can eat of the tree of life freely again. And we are redeemed from the power of the curse so that can't hinder our blessing. That's why the devil threatens us with it all the time. Oh, you're not good enough for this. And, oh, no, you can't. No, God won't give you that. You know, and they'll make the curse bigger than the blessing. You understand what I'm saying? Especially these knowledgeable Christians. That kind of stuff is enticing to the flesh. That's why you have so many people that believe God's a God of judgment and not a God of mercy. Because the human flesh knows it's not entitled to mercy. But see, it does because if you, just because you're, you don't feel entitled to it doesn't mean God doesn't make it available to you. Just means you got to get more of his thought pattern working in your life so that you can agree with his mercy. But it endures forever. It never goes away. We said the word uh, be fruitful means to bring forth, grow, and increase in good. Multiply means to spread and to have dominion or to be domineering. So what that means when you have dominion, it means if you have dominion for good, then God expects you to spread goodness and eradicate evil. So you have the power to drive evil away and to spread good. Evil does not have dominion. See, he never gave that to the devil. He never gave it to the devil's power. Only man has dominion and God is his intent is good. And, and man using dominion. That's why people, even if you beat your dog too much, they'll lock you up. You understand what I'm saying? Some, to some warp minded people, dominion means lording it over everybody and abusing everything. So when your, your idea of dominion is that cockeyed, then God will take it away from you. Because he, he, evil cannot reign over goodness. It just can't. It can't. It's forbidden by God's law. That's why I have every hope that one day in this nation, babies will not be murdered anymore. You understand what I'm saying? Because it can't happen. Evil cannot dominate. It can look like it's doing it for a while, but it cannot dominate. The word replenish means to make it full. When God said replenish the earth, 
It means to have it holy, to have uh, make it accomplish. So uh, uh, produce and good crops, that's of God. That's a good thing. Producing your ground, producing crops is a God thing. It's a good thing. It's part of his dominion replenishing principle to replenish the earth. And so I believe that God has put that desire. That's why you see so many people, you know, they like gardening. They like plants. They like to see things grow. That's the goodness of God thing, the blessing of God on that person where they want to see things grow. You ever see kids, bad kids in the neighborhood, they run through people's flower beds and trample them down and all that. That's the devil. Huh? You need to evil proof your property. Huh? Let's say, God, just take that desire out of them or make me be there every time one of them comes by and wants to stomp on it. You understand what I'm saying? Use your authority. The old stink eye. I'm watching you. Huh? That's dominion, folks. That's responsibility. He tells us to subdue the earth or rule over the earth in goodness. Not doing what we want to do like Attila the Hun or some of the other marauders that didn't live long. And he gave us dominion over the whole earth. Dominion really means to tread down or subjugate. In other words, cause the earth to produce for you. You see people who are inventors. They are subduing the earth. You see people who always like to create things to make life easier. That's subduing the earth. So all of those creative properties like that. You see people who like to tinker. And pretty soon they figured out something. That's subduing the earth. That means not seeing everything as a problem anymore, but creating answers. People who who prosper in life, are people who can solve problems, bring answers, and bring solutions. Sometimes people who who have that goodness of God about them, um, see, the devil can make you begin to resent that. Because, you know, I, I've heard people say things like, now God has elevated them. To where people respect them, respect their opinion, respect their input. And they'll make comments like, um, well, I get sick of people using me. Because they feel like because people freely come to them because they have answers and they have solutions, somehow they're being misused. Like, I don't know what they think that gift is for if it's not to be used by people. Huh? But see, the devil can cause you to kill your own gift and kill your own blessing by bringing something other than a blessing force into your life with the use of your gift. Many times people who are are entertainers fall into drug habits. Yeah, all these people around me all the time. People say, well, you got this big entourage. Yeah, but they just hang around me for the money. 
See, that's the enemy stealing the blessedness out of their gift. Now, you got a choice to make. You can keep doing it, keep your entourage around you. You can start firing some of them, weeding them out, whatever you want to do. But don't let the devil kill the blessedness that's in your gift. You see entertainers who live to be in their 70s, 80s. Look at Tony Bennett. He got to be 100. Some of his albums are at least 60 years old. He's still alive. He's still singing. He's gotten to sing with at least four generations of people who were younger than he was. Why? Because he never lets anybody steal the blessedness out of his gift. He knows he's blessed. Some of these entertainers, they came up in the old school of not having much. And they, what they call paid their dues to their craft. They learned. Like Sammy Davis Jr., I really felt bad with what younger black people did to him and said about him, called him all kind of Uncle Tom and all this kind of stuff. But see, when he grew up, he was probably more, more, uh, more confident and more and stronger in his conviction than some of these people who had it a lot easier. You understand what I'm saying? Because he went into places and had to go through the back entrance even though he was the star of the show. But he humbled himself and did it anyway. Why? Because his gift made room for him. And he just looked at the blessedness that was on his gift. A lot of times we look at things real screwed up because we don't know what it's like to walk in the shoes of people who have overcome, who have humbled themselves. And see, humility is always the route to go. Arrogance won't get you anywhere. Look at Colin Kaepernick. He can kneel all he wants to, but he ain't got a paycheck yet. People who are standing saluting are still working. I mean, if one day it's going to make a difference to him. You understand what I'm saying? That stuff doesn't put bread and see what you want to do is survive. And see, people who understand what real oppression is and what real prejudice is understand that the whole, the key to it is that you survive. Joseph knew how to survive. You understand what I'm saying? Slavery wasn't created in this with this country slavery's been around forever people find people that that they are more powerful than what do they do with them they have to keep them under control some kind of way but god when god puts a gift in you he puts a goodness there and he blesses you in that gift so that gift will always be blessed as long as you consider it to be blessed So dominion means to tread down and to subjugate. God takes pleasure in seeing us take responsibility for the earth as redeemed people. It brings him joy to see us go out and conquer and allow our gift to manifest his goodness and his glory. Allow our gift to be seen of men and to minister to the needs of men. That's what we're here for. We're here as a present, a package, and a surprise to one another. We are here to work in the blessing atmosphere so that we can bless others with what we possess. 
You possess your spirit. You possess your mind. You possess your words. If you can't do anything else, you can bless somebody with your words and with your presence. You can help the blessing atmosphere wherever you are. Instead of bring contention, strife, huh? Upset, unhappiness, you can bless where you are. Huh? They had a little song years ago, brighten the corner where you are. Huh? <laughs> and it's so true. Because people are very, very dark when the devil gets a hold of them. You know, we, sometimes just a kind word is something that's rare and rarely spoken to many, many people. And so, but we have more than that. We have the power of God to change. We can change lives. We can change the course of where they're going in their life. God takes pleasure, we said, in seeing us take responsibility for the earth. It brings him joy. To see us destroy the earth, he's not pleased. So he is bringing us back to his original intent through his word. Through the word, you can find out how to use the dominion and the power God has given you for good. We can be joyful in all things because we are created to enjoy God and to enjoy his plan. God always seeks one who believes him. So we always work to make things happen and we begin by faith. In Isaiah 50, God is so eager to help us. And keep us in joy. Isaiah 50 and verse. He even helps you before you get up in the morning. You know, people always say, God woke me up this morning. Girl, you was helped before you got up. Huh? (laughs) He says. Verse four, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as the learned. He says, the Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. Neither did I turn my back away. So you don't wake up in a bad mood. You don't get up on the wrong side of the bed. You don't get up with problems, the same problems you have facing you the night before you wake up the same thing the next morning. You don't. God wakens you morning by morning. He gives you the tongue of the learned. Why? So you can know how to speak a correct word in season to somebody who needs it. Well, I need to get up and take care of my own stuff. Really? That's not what he wakes you up for. You're already taken care of by him. How much effort do you need to put into you? What kind of project are you? Dang. Come on, y'all. But he wakens you every day to put you in a good mood so you don't bite nobody's head off when you go to work. So you don't go in like somebody, a two-gun Pete, six-gun Pete with a six-shooter on your hip. Huh? The judge is in a funky mood this morning. Remember him? 
<laughs> Everybody going to do time. He don't wake you up like that. The Bible says you were not rebellious and you did not turn back. In other words, you didn't shut that down. When God woke you up and told you he was going to bring some people around you today and they were going to need to be encouraged and they were going to need a word from him. We always pray, God, put somebody in my path so I can witness and you're going to bite somebody's head off. huh? He wakes you up with that intent when he wakes you up that you're going to get up and be a blessing to somebody. Huh? Morning by morning. Every morning. Well, I could have it. I just need some time for me, really. What you going to do with you? Huh? You didn't know what to do with you yesterday. know what to do with yourself you might as well give it over to the lord and listen to what he has to say to you he opens your ear to hear as a learned person (sighs) say it ain't so you know you can fool a lot of people into thinking you're really well educated if you let god put words in your mouth if you listen let him awaken your ear to hear as a learned person You don't have to fake big words to people. Huh? Or try to be something you're not. And neither do you have to be ashamed of your limited vocabulary. Huh? Because you have exactly what they need to hear. I don't care if it's the whims, doums, dowsums, and yous. I get on Facebook and I want to get the spell corrector out. Everybody talk about, oops, that's a mistake. And you know how that auto-correct it. You ain't never put it in there right. Tell me about auto-correct. You responsible for what's in there. Them your words you done typed once before. Be lying to me. (laughs) But you know you just want to take your little red pen out. And they always want to say, this is for somebody. It ain't for me. You need to, if God going to talk to me, give me somebody with good grammar. Because he know I don't like this. I don't receive from that. How's that sound? <laughs> I don't receive from ignorant people. Whatever. Then you get desperate for a word. Need somebody to come up all illiterate and stuff. With garlic breath. And you're just so glad to hear it. Whatever. But he opens our ear to hear us to learn it. In other words, you got to hear it right before you can give it right. This isn't something you can make up out of your head. I know we all want to be a blessing and all that, but you got to listen for God to put that word of blessing on the inside of you. Your faith must be current. Now faith is. Faith faith is now. It flows in the current of the spirit. So when your faith is released, you have the tongue of the learned. And God gives you a word in season to somebody who's weary. Well, I don't want no people in a bad mood around me. See, you don't know what he got you up for. Huh? 
You're supposed to listen for that word in season. You should be looking for weary people instead of trying to hide from them. Huh? You know, people on Facebook always try to stay away from these kind of people. Yes, I can be stupid like you. Who are you to tell me who to stay away from? God tells us to love everybody. Huh? Then we want to, uh, we want to give a like to somebody who's helping a homeless person, but we got to stay away from everybody that's retarded. People don't know what they're here for. Luke one forty five tells us. Oopsie, I'm sorry. Let me go to First Corinthians. Let me see. Where am I at? Okay, I'm sorry. Let me get over to the right page. Jesus. Sorry, John 15. John 15. Verse 5. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him. The same person brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So all of our efforts outside of abiding in God's word and doing things according to our word is worth nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered and men gathered them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done unto you herein. And then when you do this, he says, the father is glorified that you bear much fruit. There you go. Replenish, subdue, multiply. So shall you be my disciples. So true disciples of God have a lot of good fruit to show that they belong to God. Problems, troubles, worries forever. That's not abiding in him. Now, something good has got to come out of your life. If you're really living in God and living in his word. He says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. He says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and your joy would be full. We can have partial joy, interrupted joy, intermittent joy, joy that we're chasing because it gets away too soon, or we can always be looking for joy and never pursue it. Why? Jesus said, because you don't abide in me, let my word abide in you. See, it didn't say anything about my word and abiding in you, and you produce fruit, and that brings you joy. He said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, your joy will be full. No matter what you see on the outside, your joy will be full. 
And you will have the confidence to know that your faith is producing the things that you desire, but you have joy all the time anyway. You don't even know if the stuff comes in your, your possession or not. It's just one of those things where you have to accept that when you have Jesus and you have a, a confident relationship with him, that's where your joy is. Now, you can have partial joy based on the temporal things that you possess, but you won't have full joy. Fullness of joy means you're confident that you hold on to him forever, just like the word says. When God heals you, you know that affliction will not come on you a second time. That's fullness of joy. When you have fullness of joy, you know that whatever God does in your life, it lasts forever. If you're sick of the note, God will make sure that note goes down, that note disappears or something happens. Because you, his word abides in you. He says he perfects those things that concern us. And so when we understand that that God is continually perfecting, see, you only know that if you're full of his word. If you go to his word first and his word lives in you, that means you do the word no matter what comes against you. You do the word no matter what, who told you that you don't know nothing about God. You do the word anyway. And so that's when you have your full joy. See, I don't care about these people who march here and march there, march everywhere. If that's what you're called to do, you do that. But see, my joy is full because God abides in me and I know there are problems out there. I know it's not right, but I also know that God is going to help that situation. I have that confidence. So I don't have to get all riled up and worked up and run here, there and everywhere and tell people, Oh, we got to pray. We got to I'm not worked up. Why? I have full joy. Why? Because I live in the word every single day. If I don't do anything, I open that. I told you about my little English man that reads me my word. Honey, I got to upgrade. I got a butler to read to me. What you talking about? With an English accent. Huh? And so, you know, I'm going to keep that word in me. I don't know. Because, see, that word saved me. When I was depressed, it kept me from killing myself for five years. When I was was released from the mental hospital, (laughs) you understand what I'm saying? God took care of me at home through his word. I wasn't calling everybody trying to get everything I needed from man. God kept me through his word. So when I got in church and they started telling me what God wouldn't do, it, it, it no, I'm going to get my Bible again. I kept going to church, but I sure put my Bible ahead of anything else. Everything that was said, I measured against what, well, let me find that in the word, Lord. Is that right? Huh? Remember them days? <laughs> we really trusted God. So my joy can be full. I realize a lot of what's said is to take your joy from you. It's not, they can't really take your stuff from you, but it will eventually lose, leave your life. If they take your joy, you don't care if you got stuff or not. You don't care if you got people or not. You don't care if you come to church or not, if they take your joy. So you can't let that leave you. Jesus said, you live in me. I live in you. You listen to me, you do what I tell you to do, and that's where your joy is. It's your, you have a fullness of joy when you live like that. 
He completes that joy cycle. The one that we were robbed from. When Satan came in and took our attention and our affection away from God. Well, Jesus brings it right back to us again. He said, this time, instead of putting putting you off there in the garden by yourself, I'm going to let you be grafted into me. You abide in my vine. He said, now take care of you. This is a better covenant because it's based on better promises. The better promises, I won't leave you or forsake you. You understand what I'm saying? You ever been disappointed by people? You know, some people don't care if they disappoint you or not. You know, some people are just like that. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't get around to, I didn't get this, I didn't get that. Well, what can you get? I'll get lost if, you know, just just don't catch me on a bad day. <laughs> you will be out of here. Just joking, I think. But you know, some people just, I mean, what are you good for? What can I depend on you for? Huh? But Jesus said, I won't do you like that. He said, I will. In other words, not forsaking me means that I won't make you depend on me and then tell you I can't come through for you. He won't forsake you. That's what forsake means. It means that you have a covenant where you expect certain things and they don't come through. God always comes through for us. He said, you abide in me and we, and my word abides in you. Just ask whatever you want because your faith is right. When his word is in you, your faith is strong. When we sin, we separate ourselves from God's joy. Anger, fear, resentment, sadness, discouragement. They're from below. Joy is from above. Amen. It comes down from heaven. It's a heavenly spiritual force. Anything that's from below is inferior to what's from above. So when you stay in God's joy, you're able to keep the devil off of your territory. You know, I I was one time I was, uh, I don't know, I was laughing about something. I was telling my, this was before he was saved, uh, my husband. And I was telling him something I was laughing about. He said, could you stop that? And I said, you little devil, you. So I'll get you next time. I don't tell you nothing. Huh? See, your joy, it passes judgment on the darker forces of the earth. You understand what I'm saying? It's real, folks. Let's see, y'all sitting up there all shocked and upset. Yeah, he had devils. I do too when you get on my wrong side. Huh? Wake up, grow up. Everybody sitting in shock. Huh? <laughs> yeah, the devil, the devil in your house. Huh? <laughs> I cast him out of everybody. Cast him out of me, the husband, the dog. If you're going to live in harmony. But joy is an overcoming force. What joy really said to him. Let me break it down to you. Was that he had no more power to upset my life. By refusing to go to church with me. You understand what I'm saying? Joy signals that I live in a whole different realm. And you don't know what it's like. Huh? You can come in if you desire. It's always open to you. But you can't pull me out of that zone. And your little uh, attempts to upset my life don't work. 
That's what that means. So I laughed all the more. I said, oh, sorry. I can't help myself, though. You understand me? Laugh at the devil. Make him go hide somewhere. So joy is from above. All the other forces are from below. You can tread on those. God wants us to reside in his kingdom at all times where there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When we stray from any of these, we lose our connection with his purpose. God wants us to stay at all times connected to him so that our joy will be full. When people are upset, disappointed, they just walked off from the word. You know, people start wondering, how long is it going to take for me to get what I want from God until you get back in joy? Until you act like you really got something before you get something, you're not going to get anything from God. He can't hear you. He can't help you. He can help you when you abide in the spirit. Now, people think there's exceptions to this rule. You know, they think, oh, well, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what what I go through. You don't know what I... (laughs) Well, uh, look at Job. Huh? He had sores, boils. His friends, actually, Job was a priest. Now, his friends came by because it's like, oh, Pastor Barb's sick. Let me go see how she's doing. She always telling me to confess the word. Huh? That's what Job's friends were around for, to mock him. And Oh, look who's down now. You always telling us to bring sacrifice. You always praying for us. What you got for you? What you got for yourself? What you got? Huh? There came a morning God got sick of all of the nonsense and told Job to get up out the bed, put some clothes on. Oh, but he's a sick man. Mm-hmm. You got something left in you that can obey God. I don't care how sick you are. I don't care how miserable you are. I don't care how abused you've been. There is something in you that can still relate to God and respond to God in faith. God said, get up and act like you got a covenant with me. Demand of me and I will tell you what to do. What's missing when you don't have joy? That connection with God. Instruction from God. Hope in God. Whatever you got that's a God connect for you, that's what's missing. And all God wants to do is reconnect to us with him who is life, who is joy, who is purpose and completion. He does not ever want us to be disconnected from him. And so in your reconnect, that's where you find the fullness of joy. God didn't even, Job didn't even know what was waiting for him. Sitting up there running his mouth with his stupid friends, arguing with people. Strife can can talk you out of a lot of things that God has for you. Stay out of strife with people. Cut that out. Just be a peaceful person. Go on about your business. Take your word with you if you have to. You know what I'm saying? If they don't want the word, you take that with you. But just go ahead and dust off your feet and keep it moving. But allow God to open you up to receive his joy and receive his fulfillment so that when you get to the place where God wants you to deposit that word that he gives you, 
morning by morning. See, you got a good purpose every day. You can impact somebody's life for good every day. And God will take care of you. You don't have to worry about what's in it for you. Why don't you step out of faith and see? But I'm telling you, God wants us to be people who bring a different atmosphere, a blessed atmosphere into this earth, into every situation we get into. Don't get in there with the people that are in the world and start boo-hooing and and all that kind of nonsense. Take that stuff before the throne and leave it there and allow God to work with your gift. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding and for what you give us every day, morning by morning. You wake us up. You give us a word for one who is weary. We thank you, Lord, that we are a force in this earth to be reckoned with. And we bless you and we praise you for that. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God.